Uh, welcome back to the Funny Books and Firewater podcast. We're a drinking podcast with a comic book problem. Shake the shit out of it. It's not so much a priority, it's just like I forgot this is the weekend that I was committed to and I'm not really happy about that. It's like I don't really want to kick off my PTO with that. Are you not working next week or? No, so my buddy uh, Brandon, he actually graduates from the U on Thursday. So I was going to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to take Thursday, Friday off, have a four day weekend. I haven't taken time off. And I was like, wait a minute. I haven't taken time off since Sundance. Like, I think I should probably take some of my PTO because I'm already getting yelled at for not using it. So I figured, what the hell, may as well. And then my boss recently got promoted. So the last thing she did before she got promoted was approve my PTO. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So good. She doesn't listen, but if she does, we love you, Heidi. Good luck to you. So <laughs> I still have your phone number so I can still call and annoy you. Oh, fuck. <laughs> But I was uh, I was driving. I, I've I've been lap swimming at the old pool I used to lifeguard at, which is kind of fun and weird. Um, but I was driving there the other morning, and I'm like, it's four thirty in the morning in California. I bet my old programmer friends are at work. So I called the uh, the the Audio Central line just to talk to friends, just to be like, hey, how's it going? And they're all like, you have no idea. Like it's like you dodged such a bullet. And I was like, we miss you. I don't know if I dodged the bullet as much as I may have caused the bullet. Like, <laughs> Uh, like they're, they're telling me stories and I'm like, yeah, okay. Part of that was already fucked. And then part of that's my fault. Like that's just how that's going to be, unfortunately. So anyway, uh, Hey, and welcome to another episode of the funny books and firewater podcast. This is our second to last week of our sci-fi month. Um, a month that, uh, has been interesting, interesting so far. Yes. I will say interesting so far. Uh, this week we are doing Dune, not to be confused with Dune house of Atreides, but Dune, the graphic novel interpretation of the book and not dune based upon the movie is there is that that's coming out next month right now that's that's based upon the movie that just got released this past year okay which is so as if that wasn't confusing enough as it is Mm -hmm. this is a adaptation adaptation Uh by the son of the original writer and some guy who always writes with him because i learned that based on the background so we were talking last week todd about the fact that this guy has basically made a career off of expanding his father's Uh literary universe Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if he's always working with this guy is he really a writer at all or is he just kind of make up some shit and somebody else has to do all the dirty work that's an interesting thing because kevin j anderson is the writing partner who has had a very rich history of writing solo himself okay so kevin j has written like 50 books to his name this guy just pumps them out okay so what i'm willing to bet is the now i have no idea but are um the outlines and the structure i say the outlines the outlines and the ideas and the story by say the sun with the uh flushing out by kevin if that happens to be the case i would not be surprised okay do they spitball against each other maybe what's interesting with dune is there is a lot of lore with dune and having someone else going i see what you want to do here but however that contradicts over there mm-hmm. and i mean there's groups and editors for that kind of a thing as well but i can definitely see how that can play a factor into it and maybe he just keeps the other guy you know moving because if you've put out 50 books you know how to produce and sometimes people are great and all but they have trouble producing maybe kevin just helps them produce they can't all be jeff lemire no 
Cal. Cal well, Kevin J. Anderson did a ton of the old Star Wars books back before right. the 2000s, back before they kind That's of right. revamped them all. So I read sure. So he has a lot of history then. with his own IP and other people's IP. But yeah, there's. About, I want to say there's like 20 novels oh. with these two. It might be 20 because they had the, uh, the number of trilogies before they finished off the original series. But yeah, they have a lot going on. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have our full group with us. We have Lena. We have Adam. We have Todd. We have me. I am Brian. Hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. What up? Hi. Hi. Uh, so, Mr. Adam, what is our cocktail for this week? This week's cocktail is called The Spice Must Flow. Uh, and there is a little bit of work beforehand because you got to make the, the tea kind of thing to go with it. So you're going to take three cups of water, a half cup of sugar, uh, two cinnamon sticks broken in half. Or excuse me, seven cinnamon sticks broken in half. My apologies. Wow. You're going to take two inches of peeled and sliced ginger, one tablespoon of chopped walnuts, and one tablespoon of pine nuts. You're going to put that on the stove, bring it to a boil. You know, let it simmer down until it's reduced by about half. You take it off, you let it cool. And then in an ice-filled glass, you're going to add two ounces of a spiced rum and four ounces of the tea. And you strain it all. You get all the, the chiggly bits out of it. You got to strain it first. But, but that sounds um, potent. Oh, but yeah. I, I was trying to recreate. So there was a sushi place we used to go to uh, called Sushi Enjoy. And then they the owner sold it. Now it's called Ito Sushi. It's still really good. It's just more expensive. But I used to go there all the time when I was younger. And we went there so often that he actually had a pair of chopsticks on the wall for me. So when I come in, he would get down my chopsticks. And he'd always get let us try free things and everything else. But at the end, there was always this like spiced, like ice cold tea drink that was really cinnamon based that he would bring out. And I'd be like, or after dinner kind of, you know, I don't know the word for it. There's a word aperitif or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to kind of base it off that. So, okay, cool. Uh, okay. I know my name of my drinking game rule, um, but we'll let Lena start. What is yours? Internal dialogue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you care to expand? Yes. Yeah, so every time there is an, how do I think it's like a, it's like a, a colored box and it's yeah. literally a box um, color-coded every, by character. Yes. Uh, every time you see that, take a drink. Um, small sips throughout because it happens quite a bit. And if you've seen the 1984 movie, um, they did it quite a bit in the movie as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. Mr. Todd. Cool water. <laughs> water. <laughs> every time they bring up the fact that water is a precious resource not to be squandered. Take a drink. Okay. Um, I have two names for mine. Mm-hmm. One is Monty Python and one is Office Related. Let uh, me guess which one is which. Go for okay. it. Okay. It's easy to guess which <laughs> one is which. That's not a hard thing. Okay. Number one is no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> and the other one is snip, snap, snip, snap. So every time there is a double or triple cross in this book, mm-hmm. take a drink. Um, and Mr. Adam. So mine is called No Introduction Needed. So every time it it has a little box where they introduce a place or person in the top left of a panel on a screen where it's like, this is the house of the, the home of the house. Or uh, what's his name? Conan. And it's like, this is a racket. Yeah. And this is this. And it's like small yeah. sips though. Cause it does happen more at the beginning uh, than towards the end. But it seems like every other page, there's a, this is who this is kind of thing. Hmm. So. Exposition dumps. Kind of. We'll get yeah. into that, that though. Um, okay. So I, I'll start out with a complaint I had with Todd. Sure. No, with Todd, a conversation I had with Todd because well, Todd has read the original book three times. Me too. Yes. Me and too. okay. And as yeah. I was, 
was reading this book, I basically said, or I basically asked, is this the same dialogue as is in the book? Because the dialogue is fucking atrocious. Like, it is wooden, and it's just, it does not flow. Like, it is... Care to give an example? Like the spice. Oh my god, like, there's so much... Okay, early in the book, it's really bad. But I can find a good example, but I don't know if if Lena was going to find that same issue as I did, but like, I would like read this shit and I was like, are you, are you kidding me? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll find a good example. Oh, okay. So here's an example of shitty, unnecessary wooden dialogue on page seven at the bottom after what is his name? Paul pulls his name out of, pulls his hand out of the magic scary box. He says it's unharmed. How? Who says that shit? Like it's fucking unnecessary. Like he can just look, Look at his hand shocked that it's not injured like there's just a lot of things that are said that don't need to be said um i don't know like uh, it's it just especially that paul character he's really his dialogue is really wooden and bad and i don't know it that that's it gets better throughout the course of the book but in the opening that annoyed the living shit out of me sure what's interesting this is a adaptation and this book is super heavy on internal monologue dialogue yeah. mm-hmm. especially from the point of view of paul so as they're trying to adapt and bring constant narration sucks outside of the novel yeah so is that a failure of adaptation and it very well might be like that that was my thing is like there's just or is it just bad writing i mean and that was my question because i don't know if that dialogue is in the original book oh it is okay so that so it's bad i mean and like here's the thing you can write a classic and still have shitty dialogue i guess Mm -hmm. i mean it it does happen but like so if that phrase was an internal thing and pulled it out and he thought to himself i mean here's the thing that phrase in particular was just the first thing I found no, 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 recording right now. Right. But like there were just lots of things where I was like, it just felt very you know what it was? It felt like um a uh an old timey melodrama is sure. what it sounded like. I'm going to say everything I'm thinking out loud because I'm not a good actor and I'm assuming the audience is dumb. I'm going to say all of these things that would normally not need to be said or would be completely internal, even though there's internal dialogue to the entire thing. So would you say this book is dated to the era in which it was written? Potentially. Yeah. Came out in what, the 60s? 65, yeah. There you go. Uh, Lena was giving me hand signals. Do you have a Yeah, on this? so it just feels very uh, radio drama with yeah, the way that go. it comes out. So it's mm-hmm. you don't get to see the reaction, so they have to give you the dialogue. They have to give you the internal pieces. They have to give you those stuff. So it definitely has that radio drama type of thing to it. It didn't bother me. Um, I think mainly because I've listened to a lot of radio dramas so i don't it just doesn't bother me um but i also feel like even the right like the the dialogue from the standpoint of the characters always still felt wooden even in the the movie adaptations it's just Mm -hmm. it's a lot there's a lot and i don't know if you've had a chance to watch the original yet brian but no it's amazing i yeah the internal dialogue it's oh, like it's, it's a thing in that movie. Well, the thing in that movie, my personal odd connection to that movie, even though I have not seen it, is there is a picture in the basement of the theater I worked at most summers. I'm not working there this summer. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin was doing summer stock at the small theater in northern Utah uh, about three years before he made that movie. Um, so, like, it's just weird to me that like this guy goes from being uh, I think the picture is actually from uh arsenic and old lace and he plays the the nephew main mm-hmm. character
character in Arsenic and Old Lace and then suddenly, you know, is in, I mean, Dune and then Twin Peaks and all that other shit. But right. well, I will always one, know him as the captain. So, you know. The funny thing uh, when I realized this is that the the Duke, the way that he's drawn in this had a Kyle MacLachlan kind of feel to it. <laughs> um, it actually felt like they, they looked at Kyle MacLachlan and Matthew Modine and like merged them together okay. and drew him. <laughs> totally because, see that. Right? Like it, there are pieces where it just, I was like, God, that just looks like Matthew Modine. It's really weird. Um, mm-hmm. Right. But when I first, there was like one, it's on page 24. Uh, it's the top panel in the middle where it's just like a kind of side view of his face. And I'm just like, that kind of does look like Tom <laughs> McLaughlin, which I'm totally fine with because I love him. But yeah, I, I you, you have to, now that we've read this, you have to watch it because it's just, it's a little hard to get through because the internal dialogue is, and that's why when I saw the, the colored boxes, I was like, oh, this is the internal dialogue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I I, was, so I'm like, I'm ready for it to, to kind of take over a lot of yeah. the pages. Because I am having rem- a memory, Todd, mm-hmm. and maybe you can refresh, my, verify this or not. We, for whatever reason, we were at your house, the condo in Farmington. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were staying up all night for whatever reason, and we As put we on did. Dune deliberately to fall asleep. I do not remember one <laughs> second of that movie. I know that we put it on and then just pass the fuck out. Dude, it starts with Virginia Matson. Okay. And then you've got monologues until you pass out because it's very much that way. I, I don't think I made it to the credits. Like, I think we like... Yeah, yeah you're, you're not wrong. Yeah, I mean, we might have... I mean, it might have been the, the trailers at the beginning of it that I passed out at. It could but, have been. Yeah. It's the... What was probably most impressive with the recent adaptation was the lack of monologue yeah. and narration is there isn't. And it's like, what was the most impressive part of the adaptation of Dune. I mean, visually, I can talk about that as well, but how mm-hmm. they adapted the book for a narration-free movie, that's 90% narration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was truly mm-hmm. the big thing. More, I want to say more than anything else, and they did so much amazing things. That was the impressive part. Um, and what it is, is um, the director who gets some script credit on that movie clearly loves the source material, but wasn't beholden to it. Mm-hmm. Looking at this and sometimes I mean you've got the son of Frank working on this and is there a little bit of this is too precious they're trying to distill it but not change it seems to be this adaptation mm-hmm. and um, the medium of the novel versus the medium of a movie versus the medium of a graphic novel mm-hmm. have different strengths and I don't think they lent it to the graphic novel strength they just went instead of describing we'll show pictures as much but the internal stuff it's all coming from the book it's all there they might have been a little too slavish to the formatting. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Uh, again, Lena, what are your thoughts? Todd or Adam, sorry, I cut you off. No, Todd steals all my <laughs> ideas, including the words I was going to use. <laughs> you and I, I see you. About uh, all means, Lena, Lena, go ahead, and I just that way everyone will have time to forget what Todd said. So when I say it, it'll sound smart. Not as smart <laughs> as you, of course, because you're much, as we all know from, so we all, except for Brian, play Wordle, and we're always posting on our group chat, like how many tries it takes. And Lena always wins. Lena and Todd always right. win. I'm like, guess I, six. I beat Lena once a week. Maybe I beat Lena once. I play too many word games. <laughs> I no, play I Scrabble for fun. Dusty, and I do anagrams like, for fun. I that's how I fall asleep at night is word games. Yeah. Like so, 
Sasquatch will be will literally be like, "What are you doing on your phone?" and it's, and I'll show him, and he's like, "Oh, good lord!" And it's like, like Wordle Unlimited or Scrabble or Sudoku or whatever. And he's just like, "You're such a nerd," and it's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with yeah. that." Anyway, but our, our our thing is that every, so every single day I wake up around six six thirty, and work has a very strict like, "Hey, I'm available seven to seven kind of rule. So I wake up, do my brush my teeth, get dressed, get ready, make my coffee. I look at my phone, I'm like. I got 10 minutes before seven when I started checking emails. I sit on my couch with my coffee and my English muffin and I do Wordle and I see if I'm the first one to post. That's like the best part of my morning is sitting there being like, <laughs> when can I post this? And then bitch about like, that word was fucked up. I hate that word. Then <laughs> I'm usually the last one to post. Occasionally I'll beat you guys, but I'm usually, if I'm not the first part of the morning, then it's like late at night. I'm like, yeah, I need to do this now. Yeah. But that, that is my morning routine is to brush my teeth, make my coffee and play Wordle and then start working. And the goal is to be, no, the goal is to match match or beat Lena. <laughs> if I just do as well as Elena, still the win. <laughs> Brian, you got to join us in on this. I can't spell for shit. So no. <laughs> if it's not actually a word though, it'll say that's not a word and it yeah. doesn't count. You yeah, it doesn't again. count. You can always get you started playing framed where it shows one frame of a movie and you got to like guess what the movie is. No, okay, so here's the, this is the this is the honest reason why I try to avoid those things. A because I am slavish to my record on Duolingo. Like, I... Like, it's bad. I'm up, up over 666 days, because of course I set 666 with the flames behind it. Uh, but B, I used to play this game called Simpsons Tapped Out. Uh-huh. And I used like, to too, yeah. I got so addicted to it that once I started spending actual money, and like 20 bucks at a time, I'm like, I gotta fucking stop. So I try to avoid those, like, phone games that can be easily addictive, because I will, but they're I will all lose free. myself in them entirely. It's free, and it's one a day for any of that shit yeah. and yeah Wordle's just one once a day you can't do it more than that i do the like quirtle and octurtle octor whatever the fuck it's called anyway it's like eight words at once or four words at once there's also hurdle that you might like Brian, you would like that actually, it's, yes. Uh, it's a music one where you listen to the beginning of a song and you have six chances to guess what song it is. And I usually guess it within the first second. I sent the my my stats to Christopher and he was like, how? How do you do this? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I listen to a lot of music. So anyways, anyway, back on Elena for her thoughts. <laughs> back on Dune. Dune. Um, um, so it's very wordy, but I was expecting it to be wordy. It's very dialogue heavy. Um, there's not a lot of action per se. You don't get many frames without words in them in this. Mm. It's not like other books that we've read where it's like, you know, take a drink when you get to a page, you know, a full page with no words on it. And you have those kinds of things. And um, I just keep thinking of, uh, was it on a moonbeam or something? I think mm-hmm. that's on a sunbeam. On a sunbeam. Where it was, you had these beautiful, beautiful um, panels that just had nothing. And you could you could feel the vastness of the space and everything. And um, this was not that. 
uh, they basically took the book and it felt like a storyboard for the movie more so than a fleshed out graphic novel. At least that's how it felt to me. Um, with that, it's, it's beautiful. Like it's not, there's nothing bad. Like I don't, I don't dislike it. Cause I do like the story. I do like Dune. I think it's really interesting. Um, but I definitely realized that I liked this new movie adaptation of Dune than any of the previous adaptations that have been done. Cause they're very much like this book where it's a lot of internal dialogue. It's very heavy on the narration. It's very heavy on the exposition. It's very heavy on the everything. Um, and I think that's why the 1984 movie didn't do as well because they basically just translated it into film. They also changed, that, a, bu- changed a bunch of very key things. Which I haven't read the, the book yet. Sure. So, And I sure. haven't watched the 1984 version in years. No. It, it, it's um, marvelous. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I, re- I will say this much. <laughs> when marvelous. we watched the new one, yeah. and because Tori had never, has never seen the, the 1984 one, and when we watched the new one, we showed her a clip, like a portion of when they like um duel when Paul and um Fade Rotha. Yeah, when they and Sting. they have their shields up. Oh yeah, and that's they, that Sting plays that role? No, Sting's mm-hmm. at the end of the movie in 84. No, Sting's oh, at the okay. end of the movie. No, yeah. he, he, it's Patrick Stewart is who he's mm-hmm. um his like teacher or whatever. The Josh Brolin uh, is Patrick Stewart. Oh uh, okay. They um they have their their uh like uh, shields, shields or whatever on and it just and in the new movie they actually made it look really cool, which I right. very much appreciated. But in the original, they look like they stepped out of Minecraft. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's very, like, they're just in these blue boxes. And Tori was like, what the fuck am I watching right now? And I was like, it's wonderful. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they actually hand-painted each cell to put on that shielding. Oh, my God. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, but it's it is. is really funny when you watch it now because it's just like it's comical to watch some of the stuff. Sure, but um, but that movie was very much a direct like. You, and Brian, I'm telling you, just you don't even have to watch that long that that long <laughs> bit of it. You'll notice very quickly about the internal dialogue where it's just like it's just Kyle McLaughlin just standing there and he's narrating over it, but no one's it's just like his face in a in like the screen. And mm-hmm. you see, and you hear him in the back, and it's just like, okay, um, what is this look Lynch, like in it? real life? Oh yeah, oh that makes sense. Okay. No, and, and it's also it's the most very normal movie. movie. Yeah, oh, most, it is. It's very Lynchy, yes. But simultaneously, the most normal movie he's ever made. So yeah, also very accurate. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's but the it's not bad. And if you know the book, or if you don't know the book, it's a good way to 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 see to read the book. It's you know. Oh, no, you're not but doing this for you. So here's a question for you on the, the way you've described this. I've talked to some people going, Hey, you want to read this graphic novel? I was like, I don't even know how to read a graphic novel. Where do I start? Is this an entry point because it is so, or is it too boring? <laughs> 
only thing I would say is if you want to read, if you want to read Dune and Dune in the actual novel feels too much, then I would, I would suggest this. I don't know if I would suggest this as an entry point because this isn't a real example of a good graphic novel. Um, So a good way of showing that. What? So if Dune is too much, does this function as like an abridged version? Yes. Something then, right? I would say yes. I would say that if you if you want to get the story without watching one of the movies and really get the dialogue and and understand what's going on, but you are more of a visual person and that's how you you know you don't want to you know sitting down with a massive novel seems to be too much. This would be a good a good read for you um okay. but from a from a just a, a generic graphic novel standpoint i wouldn't say that this is a good entry point for someone <laughs> i would I pick yeah. giant days or day tripper sure. or i mean i'd pick giant days for almost anything mm-hmm. i love giant days so <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so you know those are the, like i'm trying to think of even the other things that we've read that i've been like yeah that that is something thing that I would I would definitely recommend to people even the first I hate fairyland um but not this one for for an intro to comic books or graphic novels or anything okay cool uh, Mr. Adam, what are your thoughts? So before I go any further, and this may have been talked mm-hmm. about off air before I got on, but I didn't know if Lena had seen the screen name that Todd and Brian have assigned to themselves of Marley oh. and Marley. <laughs> okay, first off, <laughs> as soon as I got on and we were talking before you you logged in, I was like, is this a uh, reference to Muppet Christmas Carol? And they were like, yes. And I went, because okay. as soon as I saw it, I was on mute and they were up and I literally saw it and I was like we're Marley and Marley It's either that or about dogs that die, so you can take your pick. Yeah, no, we're gonna go with the with Marley and Marley. Marley. I don't need to think about puppies dying. My my parents just had to put down their dogs before the end, and it's good. Yeah, but I figured you'd seen Elena, but I was like, in case you hadn't, I was going to bring it up, and it's more space in between what Todd said and what I'm about to say. So uh, I was driving home, and I got stuck in a lot of traffic today, so I had time to really kind of think about this. Is so I I read Dune as a kid i'm a huge fan i loved it and yes if you go back and try to read it again as i did about uh, six seven years ago it very much is a product of its time it was very evolutionary it was very revolutionary for science fiction when it came out but we've kind of gone past that you know we, we've exceeded it with star wars and some star trek and some of the newer movies like the arrival uh blade runner there's a lot that's come out since then that has borrowed heavily from dune we're not going to ever even dis- robert jordan's wheel of time yes yes we're not going to ever dismiss what it did because i think that's a dangerous thing to do and like yeah you can read it now as someone who's never gotten into it and been like i don't see what the fuss was about but at the time it was bringing new ideas into into this world but as i was thinking about it i was like this is literally the fifth version of this story i've 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 consumed over four different uh forms of media so the book the graphic novel two movies and then also the uh miniseries that size i think was sci-fi did yeah and going back to todd's point as i was reading this and i was thinking about it i was like so was this an adaptation 
of Dune or was this a replication? Because, you know, an adaptation is, uh, even, even with David Lynch being as crazy as it was and with a lot of the voiceovers, it was still his version of the story. Then Evil and You with the new one, it was his version of the story as well. And Todd, you made a great point. I didn't even think about until you mentioned it was that there was no like monologuing. It, it was fully telling the story in a visual medium. And that's what some people forget is when they talk about like, oh, the book's always better than the movie. It's like, no, they're different forms of entertainment. The book is about what people think. The movie is about what they do. And in a graphic novel, you kind of get the best of both worlds because you're allowed to have that internal monologue while simultaneously showing what they're doing. But there's a fine line you cross to where if you just do too much showing, you don't get what they're thinking. And if you do too much thinking, you miss out on what they're showing. Lena, you made a point about the, the action scenes. You know, there weren't very many of them. And if you've watched any of the movies, especially the new one, there's a lot of action in that movie. There's a lot of action in this story. Was there any splash pages at all? Uh, uh, maybe some close, splash yes. panels. There's, there's the closest you have is that section where the worm is attacking the carry-all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sure. And that's like a big two-page spread. Okay. That's like the closest thing, I think, to a splash page. But there are like sub-panels um, uh, inside of that. Yeah, there's like right. splash panels, yeah. I would say. Uh, but as you're reading it, it's like, hey, we have to throw this in, we have to do this in. And again, going back to what Todd said, and the word I was thinking of, were we being too slavish to the source material because it was too near and dear to us? And we see that a lot in movies where you'll have directors who you watch the movie, and like, that was a great movie. It was 30 minutes too long. Like the last, mm-hmm. uh, I finally saw The Batman when it came out on HBO because I didn't get to see it in theaters. And I was like, that's a really good movie. It's a half hour too long. Like they I need someone to come in. What would you will say that though? I have watched it three times now and oh, wow. I really like it. And I think the reason I like it and you don't notice the extra time the second time that you watch it because you know why they're take the, why the pace is set the way it is because you know what what the ending Mm -hmm. is and everything um but i just made sasquatch watch it uh this Mm -hmm. week and he's just like oh my god this is amazing and i think i just love it more so because i really like this batman i think they did a really good job with it Um, tying it back to this um Frazier is his name. He's the same center photographer that did Dune with Denny Villeneuve. So oh. the guy that shot Dune was the same one that shot the Batman. I honestly love that because I loved the look of this. I love, yeah. I really did love the Batman. I, I know everyone was very iffy when it came to really Robert Pattinson. Oh, I wasn't Batman. at all. I was off board 100%. I, well, you know why? It's because everybody thinks of him and they're like, oh, it's those Twilight movies. And it's like, have you seen Good time. Have you seen? The <laughs> have you seen Little Ashes, where he played Sal- Salvatore Dali? Did you see? Uh, like he's in so many things. He's such a good actor, and it just—I thought he and I really like the characterization of Bruce Wayne in this, where he's not some like playboy billionaire. He's this total recluse that no one, no one like ever sees, um, mm-hmm. which makes sense because he's out every night beating up a bunch of people to stop crime and he had his both his parents killed when he was little like you kind of usually don't end up the most uh balanced balanced or (laughs) stable kind of person when when that shit happens to you and i don't think there are that many good therapists in gotham uh to help him (laughs) 
dissect all of that trauma. Because uh, if they did have good therapists, I don't know if they would have that kind of crime. So, you know. Um, They're all busy at Arkham. <laughs> oh that's where Harley Quinn came from. It is. So that's a fantastic why it's book. just, but, uh, but the look, everything, the way that oh, they, yeah. it just, I, I loved it. I've, like I said, I've watched it. I saw it in the theaters, which is like the first movie in theaters I've seen in since COVID started. And, um, and then I, I watched it twice here so far on HBO and I, I love it. And I still haven't seen freaking Spider-Man yet. So <laughs> I, know, I know. Oh, Adam, Adam, do you want to clutch your pearls for a second? Yeah. I'm going to admit this on a pod, on a, a comic book thinking. podcast. Uh, I have not seen a Marvel movie since Endgame. I haven't missed much. I know, but I, I'm just saying. Yeah, Shang-Chi was really, really good. I'll, I'll give that it, but you really haven't missed much. Like I was underwhelmed by Black Widow and I just did not give a fuck about Eternals. And I was really excited for that one. And that one was just a huge letdown. Does that include the Disney Plus content? No, um, I'm kind of I, well, I'm asking. Yeah. No, I will see. Oh. I, I, wa- I watched the first two shows. I have not watched Hawkeye yet. Okay. I haven't watched good. Hawkeye. Ironically, I did a gig for the Hawkeye show when it opened. Like I programmed the whole Christmas show they did and I still have not seen the TV show. I, yeah. I think I got through the first episode and that was it. But Hawkeye is also not my favorite. The last ever. Spider-Man movie I have seen was Spider-Man 2 with Tobey Maguire. I mean, well, here's the thing. Brian, you have to leave that silence in. I, oh, we will. Well, I'll, <laughs> you really should at least see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes, you yes. should. That is, that is the best Spider-Man like, movie ever. I'm not going to give you anything... shit about any of the other ones. That's the one you should see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, yeah, Into the Spider-Verse. got fired from Solo. Yeah, yeah look what they did. Yeah. They made a, a movie that won the Oscar for the best animated picture. And Sony personally of... thanked us uh, for when we gave it best animated picture and best picture, I believe. at the Yeah, best picture at the UFC Awards. Nice. Yeah, it is. It's probably the best comic book adaptation movie I think I've ever seen. Okay. Like to give the vibe of an actual yes. thing. Anyway, do we have anything else to add to this sucker? Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll just keep going. No, I'm just going to finish up about like going back to like because you had the creator so heavily involved in it and well, the creator's son at least who uh, kind of Christopher Tolkien kind of went off and did his own thing and tried to add to the narrative which is fine. Uh, it was almost like Kevin J. Anderson's writing it and every single time he would get a script done uh, Brian uh, Herbert would come back and be like, no, no, no. We have to have this this is really important and then the key every single time it's like having too many cooks in the kitchen like you, you go in there and you're like you're doing your thing okay this is great and someone comes in and it's like no no no, it needs more salt and you're like okay it's still kind of good no 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 it needs more pepper because that's what the original recipe called and it's like no i'm trying to make my own thing and i think that's what kevin j anderson was doing was trying to make his own tale and i could be wrong who knows uh but we had this interference of someone who it, it meant too much to him because of the legacy that it created and the legacy of his father and he couldn't let go of the reins enough to let the horse take its own head and go the direction it needed to go. You're still going to get to the same destination. You're still going to get to the end where Paul, everything happens with him and the Freeman or Fremen, however you say it. But sometimes it's really fun to let the horse take its lead and go down this path in the woods that you didn't know was there. You're still going to get to the end. It's like the magicians when they did the book to the TV series uh, for the first few seasons, at least. Like you had the same ending, different ways of getting there. Uh, and it's a much more interesting story while still having the same impact. And I think that's kind of what happened with this because I really felt like they just took the book and splashed on the page and didn't take into effect into account the, the the fact that this is a different medium and we need to present it differently which Denis Villeneuve did perfectly with the first half of his movie but anyways it wasn't bad by any means I'm not in the camp saying this is a horrible book uh, it just 
it was kind of like, was this necessary? Because it didn't do anything different or new that made you so, yeah, halfway through, I was just bored. I'm like, I, I know the story. I've heard it a million times. Show me something that I haven't seen before. Show me the same story through a new lens, whether that would be the way it's presented, whether it were the art style, because it's not a bad art style, but it's a very basic art style. I mean, the colors were beautiful. I like how they did, they played with the colors and depending on where you were, like there was different themes and everything. But halfway through, I was like, ah, this book did drag because I, I know the story. I know like the back of my hand. I'm familiar. I love these characters. So why am I doing this a fifth time? Mm. Okay, that's me. Now I'm done. Now I'm off my yeah, no, I think that's a good place to let off on this. Uh, Mr. Todd, what is your grade? I'm going to give it a B. If you're a big fan of the book and you want to have everything, all things Dune, it's not bad. It's a B. Okay. Elena? Yeah, I'll go with a B as well. I agree. Okay. Uh, Mr. Adam? Uh, B minus, just for everything I already talked about. Like, it just, I didn't feel it was necessary. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a B. Uh, a few things bothered me, but I'm still interested in reading or continuing the story. So I guess that says. Yeah, you got to watch the David Lynch. It's amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Uh, well, next week we are going to be reading a book that I've actually wanted to read on this show for quite a while. I'm surprised it's taken us this long to get around to it. Um, we're going to be reading Transmetropolitan, um, which is basically the way I've described it to other people is you take Hunter S. Thompson, you put him in the future, and you watch shit happen, is basically what this series is. Um, Todd's nodding his head. I think that's a fair assessment of that. Yeah. Um, so we'll be reading the first book of that. And then following that, we're going to be doing our Pride Month, which we know of a couple of the books we're doing. I don't know if we fully decided on all of them but we will have that figured out and we will let you know about that next week uh thanks everybody for joining us and we will see you later bye can someone tell me what the fuck bill sign with sinkowitz sinkowitz did in this book he did the cover okay <laughs> it doesn't have his credit anywhere he has a bio in the back of the fucking book but it does not have a credit of him anywhere else like i cannot find i it i poured through the book to figure that shit out he did the cover and he did the original adaptation from the 84 movie yeah he, 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 was, he was the guy who got high with uh, david lynch and told him what to do okay no, actually um a lot of the art for it, it was giger did all the harkonnen designs oh Feature really giger. yeah I, I approve. So, so it's worth watching it again, and you're like, oh, there's Giger, and like, yeah, Geiger. Geiger. Geiger, Geiger. Geiger. I always so, said Geiger, but whatever. Uh, yeah, Geiger, 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 tomato, tomato. Right, but so when you take a look at Fade Rotha's um, bikini briefs in the last fight, no, uh, you know, H.R. Geiger was involved. I feel like with the 1984 movie, there's a really big missed opportunity to have the same word come out, put on a top hat, and go, hello, my baby, hello, my honey, hello, my right-time gal. <laughs>